Welcome, every one of you out there. We sure appreciate you tuning in here to study with us. As we continue what we were doing last week, we're on 8 of 11 on the intro of the King James Bible. And it has opened up a whole plethora of information about this war that has been going on against our doctrine, against our Bible. So uh, I'm going to start here in 8 of 11 in the intro to the King James Bible. Uh, we are on the Imbolic holiday, Imbolc, Imbolc holiday. Uh, we uh, knew that it was uh, the holiday that the crane number nine there in Ohio and East Palestine blew up and we said that was war. Um, in the timetable of Satan, this is a war holiday. That was done there uh, in a similitude of what was going to go on in the Middle East. And then 50 years to the day, the war escalated and you're seeing the ram and he go. We will get to that. But let me start here reading the intro. This is page 8 of 11. Um, so here we have uh, parables of translation here. And the uh, 47 translators used Solomon's temple versus the Herodian temple. And they say, look here, we know the first temple was the best. And we have, and they get into the doctrine where people cried when they saw the second temple because it wasn't near as glory, glorious as uh, the Solomon temple. And they use that to say, look here, we're not trying to destroy the Septuagint. We're not trying to, uh, and neither were the people translating that into uh, Greece for the world. Uh, they were going to the original Hebrew and doing their best that they could do, like the people did that rebuilt the temple. And that was their little similitude, first original uh, temple with Solomon and then the Nehemiah temple. So that was their uh, little um, allegory. Uh, the apostles though used the uh, Septuagint and they also used the original Hebrew uh, writing and made any corrections that they could as they were sending this out to the world, which again was done. Now we can't look at this where anyone rolled out the red carpet to have this done. People were killed over this. This is, I mean, they, they catch you, burn you at the stake, and your doctrine also would be burnt right with it. The apostles used the Septuagint and, and did this, and even Jerome, the one that did the Latin Vulgate, he agreed that th this was done correctly, according to these translators. However, uh, in the Protestant versus Catholic, uh, the Catholics were calling the 47 people that were doing this, um, they were calling them heretics. And they were very offended that we, they could be called heretics for doing what they're doing. Uh, or the apostles are to this day by these same organizers. They're called heretics also. Uh, I go right to the Baptist, uh, Detroit Seminary uh, was all over the apostles and all over Christ for using the Septuagint and for this intro that I'm reading here. Um, now, this guy named Tertullian on the Protestant side, uh, he had a quote here that's, uh, that they're quoting. It says, do we try men's faith by men's persons or persons by faith? That was his take on it. In other words, let's look at the fruit, is what he was saying. They give the example here of the Aquila translation <laughs> that uh, was burned by the Catholics. Um, so you can't, you, you, you can't say the apostles were trying to destroy the 70 when they went back to original Hebrew documents and uh, made any corrections that they could. Uh, they weren't trying to destroy it. They were building off that foundation. So that's another uh, example. And they said, that's just searching for the truth. And they gave examples of that here. 
in page 8 of 11. Um, then they go to this burning of books. And they go to the uh, popes and the Catholics, and every time they would uh, have a new pope, there would be a book, a book burning of what they call service books. And that's going to tie in here uh, to what's going to be taught about uh, Imbolic here. Uh, but that all comes out of their service books. And they give examples. Uh, there was a service book, uh, St. Ambrose. Uh, his uh, service book was burnt. Um, they used what they called the Pope Hadrian Council through Charles the Emperor, and they would burn the books. Uh, just as simple as I can say. Um, there's a St. Gregory book, book that they burn, and they talk about that. And this really got going uh, between the years, according to them, 1277 to 1568, the Battle of the Service uh, books. Uh, and they would always change with the bishopric that whoever was in. Um, and then they come back and they say, not so with the 47. The only corrections that were ever made, they say, we, like the apostles, did it for, so we could have the truth. Um, so that's the only corrections that were ever made. Now, then they go into this Pope Leo X, and he opened the floodgates for all these pagans, literal pagans, to uh, start tampering with the New Testament. And we know a couple... Two of the worst was Westcott and Hort, and they were tied right into this, and the rest of the Bible, too. Now, again, I'm talking about this uh, destruction of people for translating, how bad it was. I mean, burnt at the stake. This, this wasn't some little kiddies game here. And nobody said, oh, uh, the midget's searching, he's searching for truth, so... Let him go. No. What's hanging? What's burning? Okay. So anyway, to get a good look at this, what did we say? This is during the time of the Maccabees. That's why the Maccabees is so important. Page, the first chapter of First Maccabees is what I'm reading out of here. I want to know what it's like. This is a time when the Septuagint was being put together to be sent around the firmament of the earth, way before the apostles. Remember what I said. 330 B.C. forward. That is the first year of the king of Greece. There's a chair there. The king of Greece. All right? And so what was it like while all this was going on? Say I was a scribe. Say the midget was a scribe. How would that be? What would he be, what would he be up against? So let's get a description of that here in First Maccabees. Uh, we know that uh, this was Alexander the Great, and he is the first great king. Remember we went over the uh, eagle, the wicked eagle prophecy, and how we said the Greco-Roman Empire, where it was started at? Well, this is year one. Look here. In modern times, if I'm a hardcore Satanist that really knows my Satanism, when is year one? It's not back with Christ, no. That calendar went on. When does year one start for me as a Satanist? It starts in 1966. That's year one in Satanism. This particular 330 BC is year one for this particular Antichrist chair. And you're going to see uh, the timing here moves. Year one from 330 forward. So when you get the date in the Maccabees, you'll get, say, 150. Well, that you can't use the Christ calendar. You have to use the Antichrist Greco-Roman year one. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Alexander the Great, the whole firmament of the earth, under his thumb. Listen to this. Everybody's there in chapter one. And it happened after 
that Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian, who came out of the land of Chittim, that's Europe, folks, had smitten Darius, king of the Persians and Medes, that would be Darius III, and he reigned in his stead the first over Greece. Okay, that's year one. And this is exactly where the Antichrist is coming from, the revised Roman Empire, okay, in our time. Okay, now what did he do? This is the same one that, that this library is named after, the Alexandrian Library. What did he do? Was he spreading the gospel? No. He was against the gospel. Listen to this. And made many wars and won many strongholds and slew the kings of the earth. How about that? So this is the guy that uh, they named their great library there, the Ptolemy Alexandrian Library there. There it is. He slew the kings of the earth. Well, wow, nice guy. Three, it says, and, he, and went through to the ends of the earth and took spoils of many nations, insomuch that the earth was quiet before him, whereupon he was exalted and his heart was lifted up. So he had a very short reign, 12 years, that's it. And, and he gathered a mighty strong post and ruled over countries and nations and kings who became tributaries unto him. And after these things, he fell sick and perceived that he should die. Wherefore, he called his servants, such as were honorable, and had been brought up with him from his youth, and parted his kingdom among them while he was yet alive. So Alexander reigned 12 years and then died. Now, this is who this library is named after, Alexander the Great. And the other one uh, is uh, this Ptolemy, okay? So uh, here in the first chapter. Now, uh, we're going to move on to 137 in this uh, verse 10. Remember this, folks. That's 137 as you move forward from year one in 330 B.C. Has everybody got that? Okay. So here we are in verse 10 through 15. It says here, uh, and there came out of them a wicked root. That's a bloodline. This is the chair of Alexander the Great. This is his throne. The root is Antiochus, surnamed Epiphanes, son of Antiochus the king, who had been an hostage at Rome and he reigned in the hundred, hundred and thirty and seventh year of the kingdom of, of the Greeks. See, that moved forward from 330 BC. In those days went there out of Israel wicked men. Now get this, who persuaded many saying, let us go and make a covenant with the heathen that are round about us. For since we departed from them, we have had much sorrow. So here we got Jews that are diving right in here with the occult religions of the earth. So this device pleased them well. See, these are the crooked Jews. <laughs> 13, then certain of the people were so forward herein that they went to the king who gave them license to do after the ordinances of the heathen. Okay, now remember this. This is all going on while people are transcribing and scribing the Septuagint. Whereupon, in 14, they built a place of exercise at Jerusalem according to the customs of the heathen. Okay, exercise is saying a gymnasium. We're talking about ghost guilds here. We're talking about contacting fallen angels. 15, now listen to this. Here's the Jews. Here's prior to Christ's arrival. And made themselves uncircumcised 
and forsook the holy covenant and joined themselves to the heathen and were sold to do mischief. Okay? So, as you see here, there's a connection here between Europe and these wicked Jews. Not the good guys. Okay? But now we go to Ptolemy. Who is this other guy? Well, does everybody know that in Egypt, the potter is sacred? So when the, the bloodline Potiphar back in the Old Testament wanted imprisoned Joseph. And now we have an offspring of that same bloodline here called Ptolemy from Egypt. Listen to this. Now, when the kingdom was established before Antiochus, he thought to reign over Egypt that he might have the dominion of two realms. <laughs> so you see, as Alexander the Great broke this all up, everyone's fighting to see who is going to be king in the mountain. And we know that Rome came out ahead. But at this point, the fight's on. And here we are in the middle of all this turmoil, doing what? We're a scribe. We're, we're trying to get this word of God, this Hebrew word of God, in all languages of the earth. Can you imagine how you had to hide and run and duck in all this? Well, listen on. Now, when the kingdom was established before Antiochus, he thought to reign over Egypt that he might have the dominion over two realms. Wherefore, he entered into Egypt with a great multitude, with chariots and elephants and horsemen and a great navy and made war against Ptolemy, king of Egypt. But Ptolemy was afraid of him and fled, and many were wounded to death here. Okay? Uh, uh, so on we go here. But what about this Antiochus? He now has Alexander the Great's seat. I uh, know that he, it's not the great empire. It's broken up, just like in the Wicked Eagle Prophecy. And uh, so go to verse 41 here. And let's look at uh, Alexander the Great, the Antichrist figure. That's not only in the book of Daniel. Not only in the book of Daniel. But he is in the Wicked Eagle Proph Prophecy. There's no, no question in this one. He's a, he's a great one. All right. So here we are. Here we are in Jerusalem. Here we are scribing. What's going on here in the world? Listen to this in 41. Alexander the Great's throne. Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people. And everyone should leave his laws. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. Yea, many also of the Israelites consented to his religion and sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Sabbath. In 44, for the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, that they should follow the strange laws of the land. See, this is the mystery school religion from Babylon slash Egypt. Okay, and what else do they do? And they forbid burnt offerings and sacrifice and drink offerings in the temple, and that they should profane the Sabbath and festival days and pollute the sanctuary and holy people. What else are, is going on while people are trying to scribe? Set up altars and groves and chapels of idols and sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beasts that they should also leave their children uncircumcised and make their souls abominable with all manner of uncleanness 
and profanation. To the end, they might forget the law, capital L, and change all the ordinances. And whosoever would not do according to the commandment of the king, he said, he should die. Now, this is, this is what's going on here as they're, as they're gutsy trying to get the doctrine to the world. Look what's going on here in Jerusalem. In 51, in the self same manner wrote he to his whole kingdom and appointed overseers over all the people, commanding the cities of Judah to sacrifice city by city. Then many of the people were gathered unto them, to wit, every one that forsook the law, capital L. See, that's the doctrine. And so they committed evils in the land and drove the Israelites into secret places, even wheresoever they could flee for succor. Okay, so you see what I mean? Here, if you had the law, you were what? Hiding. And in the middle of all that, here they are with this motivation to send the doctrine to the world when the world leader here is saying no. If you do that, you're dead, okay? 54, now the 15th day of the month of Kaslu, in the 145th year, remember the timing of that, they set up the abomination of desolation upon the altar and built it, built it idol altars throughout the cities of Judah on every side. So here we are, we got to, we're translating the law, if we get caught, we're dead, and look what they're doing there on the Temple Mount. Now this is not the abomination that make it desolate there in the book of Daniel. This is one of many of these abominations, like you have over there now, you have all the occult shrines over there. Uh, right now as we speak, you have abominations to make desolate because there you are on Mount Moriah and you have idols, you have statues everywhere and shrines and uh, domes and this kind of stuff, that's all. But it's, in other words, don't uh, let this mix you up about the abomination that make it desolate that comes from the Antichrist and the false prophet. That ain't here yet, but it will be soon. But what else are they doing there? in Jerusalem, and burnt incense at the doors of their houses and in the streets. See, that's a cultism. That hasn't gone away. That's their religion, folks. It really is. Uh, okay, and when they had rent in pieces the books of the law. Did you just hear that? What, what, what are they doing? If they catch you with this doctrine, our doctrine, with the Bible, you're dead. And they're we're doing what here in 56? And when they had rent in pieces the books of the law, which they found, they burnt them with fire. Oh, a book burner. Where did we just hear about this? Nazis weren't the first, and they're not going to be the last. And wheresoever was found any, with any, the book of the Testament, or if any consented to the law, capital L, the king's commandment was that they should put him to death. Thus did they by their authority unto the Israelites every month to as many as were found in the cities. Now the five and twentieth day of the month, they did sacrifice upon the idol altar, which was upon the altar of God. See, they built right on top of it. At which time, according to the commandment, they put to death certain women that had caused their children to be circumcised. And they hanged the infants about their necks and rifled their houses and slew them that did circumcise them. 62, howbeit many in Israel were fully resolved and confirmed in themselves not to eat any unclean thing. 
Wherefore, they chose rather to die that they might not be defiled with meats and that they might not profane the holy covenant. So then they died and there was very great wrath upon Israel. Now this gets, it's worse than this. Antiochus on his birthday on the winter solstice, he's, he's famous for skinning the seven sons of this lady alive and burning them in oil, um, trying to get them to uh, get rid of the doctor. Okay? So this is a description. When we talk about people here that were prior to the apostles, trying to get the doctrine to the world, this 70, as it's called, the Septuagint, this is what was going on around them at this time. You, you can't uh, uh, look at this like there was no persecution, and that didn't go away. And it didn't start with the Catholic Church burning the Protestants. This was going on way before there was a Catholic Church. The Alexandrian Library, the Ptolemy Library, is what created the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church didn't create the Alexandrian Library or the fake Gospels, all right? Uh, See, the, the chair went from Alexander the Great to Antiochus, and this is the fruit of it down, down the road here. So, uh, that being said, um, this killing scribes kept going. And it wasn't just Catholics doing it to Protestants. Get that out of your head. Because the Protestants were right there in the middle of the same gang of cutthroats. The people that uh, had the real doctrine and wanted it to, to do the will of God and get it to the earth had to run and duck and hide. Early Christians met in caves. It was like a, uh, they, they, they had house churches. They could never erect any kind of uh, building and call it their holy place. That, that would have never got off the ground. And that also includes the people that are here. Remember this, that there's Jews here involved with the Greeks. And, and the Book of Maccabees complains about it over and over, that there's half of their people or more they side with the pagans. They side with the world government. They go right along with it. And that hasn't changed. So it, it, the whole reason for the great gathering, the Textus Receptus, was the fact that they couldn't, they couldn't burn them out. Even, okay, when they made the Catholic Church. Was this the same guy that used, did Constantine use false flag on the persecuted? Christians? Yes, he did. So did Nero. Nero? What? This is the Greco-Roman Empire, and much blood has been shed. Much, much blood has been shed. In spite of that, the church grew. The real church, not built with men's hands. You can't build a building for Christ. And I don't care how much of the occult uh, people say that in those stones is the spirit of God and all this other crud. This is what they say. I mean, I have uh, an apologist, a Masonic apologist, on video right here, talking about the spirit of God is in stones. He's a, what what they say? 330 degree? <laughs> That's what it said. And then it has the other famous apologist on there. Uh, the one that sits there in Washington, and that's, all, that's his whole job is uh, correcting everybody about their uh, good boys club. All right, but they come right on there. Yeah, that image is talking to me. Okay. So this, this, this religion that we're talking about here that hates the doctrine that was against the people scribing is a timetable religion. We've been through that. 
everything that you see, the outbreak here of the war here, blow by blow given to you on your uh, television set and computer screen, it's on the timetable of Satan. That being said, let's let's dive into that timetable a little bit here. Because we got the events always come out on these holidays because the elite of the world use astrology. Okay? So when it comes to Beltane, uh, the shot that was heard around the world was the first day, 19th, as we go to the May 1st, Beltane. When was communism created, supposedly? What do they call it? May Day, <laughs> May 1st. When was the Illuminati created by Adam Weishaupt, the Bavarian branch there in Germany? On May 1st, again, Beltane. You can literally go by this and everything lines up. That being said, we were complaining about the wicked train bomb that went off here in Ohio. And sure enough, around we go a year later, what comes up? An escalation of the war. Notice that was in East Palestine. And they had their ceremony there at the Red Sea. And then they went down to the uh, Sinai Peninsula and they had another great, it wasn't Christians there, fake Christians, but there was no real Christians that were going there to the Red Sea and then mocking God by saying, this is probably where they crossed. Uh, so they did that and they did, and it's all on this timetable that we're talking about. Uh, it can easily, easily be um, looked at closely because they brag about it. Uh, the best way to get it is not some um, person that is um, against their timetable religion. If you want to see the uh, uh, Beltane Festival there at Stonehenge, why you just act like you're a druid and uh, just get on there. They'll send you pictures and glossies of it. Uh, the druids are alive and well. Somebody here the other day said, hey, look at this council of druids. You can sign up to be a druid. How about that? That being said, I want to get the midget if I can to uh, talk about this timetable religion that we're under and get into a little bit of this. Now, this is put your thinking cap on because this has to do with astrology. And you got to think like a, a, an occultist that these stars and heavenlies are going to empower my event and give me the force. It's the God of forces that the Antichrist will use. It's just another way of fluffing around. <laughs> it's Satanism, and it's the timetable of Satan, and uh, that's what it is. So without any further delay, here he is, Mr. Midget, the radiation checker for the church, and here he is. He's got some information for everyone. Good morning. First, I'd like to add to what Tom was just talking about, this war that's escalating. Uh, Yesterday, there were strikes from the UK and the US on Yemen. And it was reported that there were 36 targets hit in 13 locations. Now that is occult numerology. There is magic in those numbers. It adds to the spell. Every time they broadcast that, it adds to the spell. I wanna do a history today on the holiday of Imbolc, also called St. Bridget's Day, and Candlemas. It's a history of a witch and a saint. Imbolc, also called St. Bridget's Day, is one of the eight Sabbaths on the wheel of the year. The eight Sabbaths are the holidays that are celebrated by pagans and Wiccans, the eight Sabbaths are Yule, the winter solstice, Imbolc, Astara, the spring equinox, Beltane, Litha, the summer solstice, Lugnaz, Lugnazad, or Lamas, 
and Mabon, the autumn equinox, and Samhain. Now, these four holidays, which are called the greater Sabbath holidays, are midpoints of the solstices and the equinoxes. The solstice holidays and the equinox holidays are called the lesser Sabbaths. And it's all based on the sun cycle calendar, which is the satanic uh, Beast of the Beast. Beast of the Beast. <clears throat> Imbolc is a Gaelic traditional festival. It marks the beginning of spring, and for Christians, it is the feast day of St. Bridget, Ireland's patronist saint. It is held the 1st and 2nd of February, which is about halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. Imbolc is one of the four Gaelic seasonal festivals, along with Beltane, Lamas, and uh, Samhain which is Halloween. Note that all four of these fall between the solstices and the equinoxes. That uh, was uh, sourced from Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. Now this next part comes from a site called Mabon House. And it's a Wicca site. Imbolc means in the belly and celebrates the pagan Celtic goddess Bridget who is the goddess of inspiration and creativity, healing, smithcraft, and poetry. In ancient times, Imbolc was celebrated as a time to reaffirm life and start thinking about the coming harvest season. Now here comes the mingling part. As Christianity spread from Rome to Northern Europe and the British Isles, Imbolc was adopted as candle mass still celebrated on February 2nd, also referred to as the Feast of Pan. <laughs> it celebrates the coming of spring and the recovery of the earth goddess after giving birth to the sun god at Yule. Now, Candlemas is one of the earliest feast days that we have record of. Candlemas, candles are blessed as a reminder that Christ is the light of the world. Now we're talking about how it's celebrated in the, in the church here, in the Catholic church. It's also the feast of St. Blaise. Two blessed candles are used in an X shape to protect from disease of the throat. Now, I recall when I was a child in the Catholic church, they had a ceremony on this day you would go up as if you were going to communion, you'd approach the altar and the priest would come with these candles crossed, put them to your throat and give you a blessing in Latin. And I remember that very well. Now this is from the W Ritual Planner site, another Wiccan site. The Sabbath of Imbolc begins at sundown on February 1st and ends at sundown on February 2nd. It symbolizes the halfway point between Yule, the winter solstice, and the spring equinox, Osara, Mustara. Imbolc is the time of year to honor the Celtic goddess of fire and fertility, Bridget. Many Imbolc traditions are linked to her magic. So, Right there, they're saying that Bridget was a witch adopted by the church and made into a saint. Well, <laughs> there's the mingling. Many Imbolc traditions are linked to her magic. The Sabbath continues to honor Bridget and fire is still an important aspect of the Sabbath. In fact, in Masden, Ireland, there's a fire festival every year to honor the holiday. So once again, here we have proof of the timetable of Satan and these holidays and the way they use them in world events. And don't doubt it, because we can keep coming every holiday. We will come to you and prove it again. And there will be events to back it up. Thank you.
Yeah, he's talking about uh, this mingling of Christianity with the occult, and that's exactly what the uh, organized religion did. When I say that uh, Protestants are just as guilty, and they certainly are, I go back to uh, this Martin Luther, who was a Rosicrucian. He started and announced his doctrine, uh, which was to throw away <laughs> the whole Old Testament. You don't need the Old Testament at all. So he didn't monkey around and try to change it. He just said, you don't need any of it. Okay. So when it comes to Rosicrucian, that is a hard hitting uh, secret society. Um, and he, when did he pin that note up there? On Sam Hain. You see, he is, it's the same mingling together that he's talking about. And so it doesn't matter which of these, uh, Cult Christian groups we go to, we get the same thing. It's just a different flavor. They have a corruption. They have a corruption. Uh, go go to Matthew chapter sixteen while we're doing this. They have something to sting everybody. There's a there's a flavor of fake Christianity to seduce the public. Uh, and that's uh, developing as we go. And so we go back to the uh, World Council of Churches at the UN. And so all these different fingers of it get marching orders there. Okay? Now, that's why it's such a miracle you have the Bible in front of you. And what a great thing it was to have 5,000 Bibles that were spread around the earth that were translated, scribed, because you couldn't, if you use a Bible, it gets beat up. So the scribes had to keep scribing. Now, in the earlier study, we talked about how they did that and how, how they kept it true. But here we had Bibles, 5,000 of them from around the world that came through this persecution and different places had different flavors of persecution, but they still, the saints hung on to the doctrine. And, and it had been scribed in all these different languages over and over because that's what kept it going. If you use a book, it's going to get wore out. So the scribes had to keep going. Even after all that and 1,500 years from Christ, they gathered 5,000 of them, and they all matched. That's what a miracle it is that we have our Bible here. That's what, what kind of miracle it is. So I call it the Great Gathering. It's called the Textus Receptus, or the Majority Text. And it was 100 years of gathering documents. By the time we went to the 1600 and uh, cousin Queen Elizabeth died, here came King James, and here came our translation. And this uh, gathering, uh, the majority text is another title for it. Okay, but uh, when it comes to this, feeding on the milk of the word, It's so important. Here is our gift. The Holy Ghost guided the whole thing, put it together. It had to be through that type of persecution. Adolf Hitler's on every side of you, types, Antichrist types. And here we are, and we got our Bible in front of us. That is a miracle, folks. But we talk about feeding on the milk of the word. And we talk about uh, the similitude of bread. See, this is back to the allegoric language. When Christ said here at the Last Supper and he broke off the bread. Well, that had an obvious meaning to people that knew the similitude language. Now, uh, here in chapter 16 of St. Matthew, let me read what Christ says to the apostles. We're going to go to chapter 16, verse 6. It says, 
Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? Well, there we are. The year is, he's 30 years old plus. And here we are being told to beware of their doctrine. Here it's called leaving, but that's the bread. And they don't understand the, the similitude language, the apostles don't hear. Listen to this in seven. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Eight, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Question mark. Do ye not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets ye took up? Okay, that was uh, earlier on in the gospel. And uh, he fed the 5,000 there. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets ye took up? See, and all the... God's holy modal system is explained in those events. The seven equals 12, the 12 equals seven. All right, another subject, keep that in mind. But here he explains in 11. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that ye should beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Question mark. Okay, now here, the 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaving of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Okay, so what am I saying? I'm saying these are the roots of this Alexandrian library here. What did we learn in Maccabees there? That there are these Jews right here that are against God. Not everybody's siding with Judas Maccabeus. No. They're against God's doctrine. And these people here are siding with the Alexandrian Ptolemy Library School. Like Madame Lebowski, who praised it. Westcott and Hort used those texts there, the old text, the uh, Vaticanus Recepticus, the Alexandria Recepticus, and the Sinaiticus Recepticus. They used those three and created these uh, foul. Bible, you you just can't get worse than saying, I'm going to take out the uh, book of Revelations and replace it with hermeneutics. What's over there now? Where Mount Hermon, where the 200 angels came down. What's, what's over there? Anybody think about that? That has all the ley lines. Is there a UN headquarters there? There sure is. There's a UN headquarters right there because it's built on the ley line, built on Mount Hermon, built on the old empire of Bashan where they do human sacrifices. They have uh, Og the great giant. His bed was 17 feet long and, and over six feet wide. And, uh, here they have their uh, UN headquarters. All these old pre-flood ley line centers of the earth are now UNESCO sites like Stonehenge. Stonehenge is not just what you see on the surface at the crossroads there. There's an underground military base right there. And uh, 
we have a book here, an old book. I guess it belonged to her mom. All you want to know about Stoneheads. It's got all the glossies. It's not against Stoneheads, by the way. It's not against Druidism. It's, it shows the pictures of them all sitting there, Churchill and all them in their heads. And there's the tanks going and rolling up and down in a big parade right there, right there on the timetable of Satan. There you have the world leaders. You have the Secretary of State of the United States there with Churchill, and there they are. There they are. And what, who do they say build it? Who do the muckety-mucks of the earth say built Stonehenge? <laughs> they say it was built by giants. Okay, so that being said, Christ is warning them about this doctrine here that's right here in the temple. And I go back to the fact that there's three sects in Jerusalem. One is the Pharisees. They have the Talmud. They have the Zohar. They have the Kabbalah. And they have the Antichrist doctrines from the Alexandrian Library. The, the Sadducees are just plain atheists. They're, they're uh, the Darwinian type. And when you're dead, you're dead. And the other was the Essenes. And the Essenes, they say, well, John the Baptist, he was an Essene. Well, that's closer to the truth. The, the, the uh, apostles, they were like the Essenes, right. Right. The Essenes said, no, we're not going to put up with the crud that's going on. Did you just hear the description of what was going on there with the Maccabees setting up idols all over the Jerusalem? And the Jews that were against Judas never went away. They always hobnobbed with the world government and, gave, and caved right into it. And they uh, would snitch. <laughs> they set up a tower there that Judas and them couldn't topple. And they'd spy out everything that was going on and run back to the world government leaders, whether it's Ptolemy from Egypt here. You see, P Ptolemy fled here from Antiochus. But he don't stay fled, and his bloodline goes on. You realize how many Antiochuses there have been? Because they use the same name over and over and over. So you can't trace them. They change their names. But Ptolemy uh, goes back to Egypt. He goes back to the potter's house. Why in the prophecy in Zechariah, where it prophesies the 30 pieces of silver, and he throws them back into the potter's house. Well, that ain't what happened. He threw them back into the temple. Why is the prophecy saying the potter's house? The reason is because here inside the temple of Solomon, the doctrine of devils is going on. Just this. They're against everyone having the doctrine. They just are. And this is back to this intro. It's opened up all this for discussion. And uh, I really cringed when someone said to, to, to read this. But I'm glad we have. And we're going to go on. We have a, we'll, we'll start off with 9 of 11 next week. Um, does anybody else at the table here have any, any comments on all this? But what I'm saying in the prophecies in the Old Testament said that there'd be 30 pieces of silver and that he'd throw them back in the potter's house. Now that happened. Judas said, oh, here, this is the price of blood and threw it back in. Well, that was the temple. <laughs> it wasn't some potter's house because the potter is sacred in Egyptian mysteries. The, uh, uh, we're warned against these fables. When uh, the midget was talking about the it's the Osirian cycle, doesn't matter what names you put to them. What is the Pythagorean theorem that comes from Babylon? What is the divine 
riddles in stone. Because you have the Isis, Osiris, and they have the divine child. Well, who is the divine child? Well, his name is Horus, but who does Horus represent? Horus as in horizon. What does he represent? He represents the Antichrist. And I'm taking you right here to 1966. The Antichrist was impregnated and born. That is year one to the Satanists. When he's talking about the uh, Julian calendar, sun cycle celebration of Satan, the leap year, and everything being done on seven-year intervals. If you look at this, we broke it all down. How many years ago has it been now? 15 years? Okay. We broke it all down and we showed how this is done because they believe in their astrology and they believe in the ley lines. They believe in channeling the force through the obelisk. This is what these people believe. And, port, and, and, and that's how they open the portholes. Portholes, the veil gets thinner, they believe, on certain days through the astrology. And that's what we have going on today. It's no accident that the Yom Kippur War, 50 years to the day this was started. <laughs> because this is their religion. They believe in guiding the force of the heavenlies so that they can use it to uh, empower whatever endeavor it is. I don't care whether it's death. I don't care whether it's a... Uh, a doctrine they're putting out, that's their religion. So they can't have the King James Bible out here. The King James Bible exposes all of it. Why do you think they didn't want Maccabees in, in the Bible? Because it talks about these fantastically evil bloodlines. When I say Ptolemy got chased away by any you know they're cousins? They're cousins. And the Bible describes this wicked family, not family, family, this inbred, intergenerational, perpetual bloodline that's out here that believes in empowering their savior, Lucifer. When he's talking about that X with the candles, that represents the star Sirius. Remember how they are. Here, I'm the priest of Baal. And I tell you, you're an initiate, you're a new druid, see? And I tell you, the sun is your God. And you go on and you go up in degrees. And then I tell you, well, uh, that was for you when you were a beginner. The sun is not, Baal is not the God, not the sun. It's the force that comes through the sun. That's God. And you say, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can have this God of forces and all that. No, 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 no. And then you get to a higher degree. It's the star Sirius is God. But it ain't the star Sirius. It's the fallen star that they're looking for in that Indian slash Lucifer, Lucy telescope and they're also looking for the new Jerusalem. Satan knows it's coming, and they're looking for it. They're looking for their ex, that ex, Xmas. You ever seen somebody uh, uh, sign for Christmas and say Xmas? That is over the star Sirius. That is over Osiris. All your occult calendar is based on a flat earth. Based on a flat earth, that Wicca witch dot circle and diagrams there are called holidays, that comes off flat earth. Now, even the witches don't even understand that today. This is how I say you go up in degrees, you get some wisdom in these occult societies, you get dumbed down too. Or you don't even, you're still, you're believing NASA which is nothing but a, a pile of lies. It's hard to believe how many lies there are in this world. 
Okay. Now, is there anybody in phone land that has anything to say before I sign off here? If you do, speak up, unhinge, and go. Okay, I think we're all good. Well, anyway, folks, I hope that we're, you're getting what we're saying here. Uh, if there's any questions on it, you feel free to call me or the midget or any of the old-timers here that understand completely what we're talking about here. I, uh, we like to pile in the information, so I hope everyone's getting it. Um, but here we are. From Akron, New Franklin, Clinton, Manchester, from the midget, Harriet, Bo and Benzie and myself. May the Holy Ghost go with every one of us. Bye-bye.